Good to see everyone. Thank you. Thank you for inviting me back. Um, so uh, I want to talk this morning a little bit about the new year, although it's, it's not quite as new as it has been. We're actually just finishing up the fifth week of the new year, which according to one Forbes survey, this coming week is the week where everybody blows their New Year's resolutions. 30, 36%. 36% of Americans make it six weeks in their New Year's resolution. Another 34% make it past February, so that's, that's the good news. Uh, but I love the New Year. I love everything about the New Year. I love the idea of a, of a clean slate, a new start, right, a fresh beginning, uh, uh, another chance to blow my diet. I, I love everything about the New Year uh, and about New Year's resolutions. And that's what I wanted to talk about this morning because I believe that resolutions or the ability to resolve is a biblical theological concept of some importance. So I want to talk about that. And to do that, I'm going to look at Luke chapter 9, uh, verse 51. We're going to just read one verse, but I'm going to read it in several versions. So let's look at Luke chapter 9, verse 51. And this is what it says in the NIV. I believe that's first. Yeah, it says, as the time approached for him to be taken up to heaven, Jesus resolutely set out for Jerusalem. And I want to focus in on that idea that he resolutely set out for Jerusalem. Let's read it in the New American Standard. It says this, When the days were approaching for his ascension, he was determined to go to Jerusalem. So set out resolutely, resolutely becomes he was determined to go to Jerusalem. And then from the message, the good old message by Eugene Peterson, it says this, when it came close to the time for his ascension, he gathered up his courage and steeled himself for the journey to Jerusalem. I like that description. He steeled himself for the journey. But actually my favorite comes from the good old King James Version. And this is the way the King James Version says it. And it came to pass when the time was come that he should be received up, he steadfastly set his face to go to Jerusalem. That's a kind of an ancient Hebrew concept of setting your face toward something. It means to resolve um, to do something. So that's what I want to talk about this morning. My uh, <coughs> paternal grandfather, y'all might be struggling with my last name, it's Orozco. If you can't roll your R's, that's okay. My whole life I was grew up, I grew up in Pasadena, Texas, uh, home of Gillies, you know, that kind of place. And um, it was Orozco, so Orozco is fine. They would even put an apostrophe after the O and make me Irish. Um, <laughs> Orozco. Like O'Reilly Orozco. Uh, but actually, I'm not Irish. My, uh, my paternal grandfather actually came from Mexico, from Monterey, in, in 1920 uh, to escape the poverty that, that had been caused by the Mexican Revolution. It was a different day, of course, in our country and very agricultural. He landed in a little... A town southeast of Houston called Pasadena. Uh, it was very rural in those days. He was an itinerant uh, farm worker. He uh, had jobs here and there. He worked really hard and he managed to buy uh, some land, like five or six acres, basically a cow pasture with no caliche road that ran through the middle of it. That's what he bought, right? If you don't know what a caliche road is, Google it, okay? Um, and, uh, and he built a house at the end of that road where it dead ended into the pasture little wood-framed house on cinder blocks. And that's where he raised his family, my dad and his siblings. He had nine children. Uh, my dad, seven boys and two girls in that family. Uh, big family. My mom, by the way, has a big family, too. There are seven in her family. So I have 54 first cousins, okay? Those are just the first cousins, right? 
So he grew up there, my dad did, uh, my, grand, my paternal grandfather raising his family there, working hard, and as each of the children in the family would get to marrying age, they would just all get together and build another little house right next door on that Caliche Road, and then another little house on that Caliche Road, another little house. My dad was one of the youngest in the family, so by the time I came along, there were 10 little wood frame houses on that Caliche Road where I grew up. All my cousins, my aunts, my uncles, we all grew up there in very rural, kind of isolated area of Pasadena in that time, the 1960s, and so that's where I grew up. It's kind of an idyllic place to grow up. We were, we were kind of sheltered from the world in general, and it was all my aunts and uncles and cousins, and it was fun. My paternal grandfather resolved, he, he was determined that he was going to build some kind of life for his family in this country. And he gave his entire life, literally, um, to doing that. It's my contention this morning that that is a biblical idea the idea of resolving yourself to do something. There were numerous moments of firm resolution in the life of Jesus. And my contention is that it is those moments, when you can isolate those moments of firm resolution in the life of Jesus, it's those moments that were essential to not only who Jesus was, but what he did, what he accomplished. For instance, at the age of 12, Jesus resolved himself that 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 the house of God was the place where he belonged, right? And then around the age of 30, in the wilderness, Jesus resolved that he was going to spend his life serving God and only God and no one else. Then a little later, early in his ministry on the shores of Galilee, Jesus resolved that he was going to ignore the calls to fame and fortune and instead was going to preach the gospel in the small villages to the poor and the hurting and the weak. You could even make the argument or the case that Jesus, that Jesus coming to earth at all was a product of his firm resolution in heaven to to do so. According to the Apostle Paul in Philippians chapter 2, Jesus resolved himself. He, He willingly, of his own volition, emptied himself of all of his divine prerogatives and, and, and submitting to the will of God, lowered himself to become just like us in order that he might die for us on the cross for our sins. And then we have the moment before us in Luke chapter 9, verse 51, the moment we read, where Jesus has been teaching and preaching and healing and performing miracles for almost three years, and and he has developed a small group of disciples who themselves have resolved that they would follow Jesus to the ends of the earth, and now he knows that it's it's time. It's, It's time for him to go to Jerusalem. And so what does the scripture say that he did in that moment? It says he resolved himself. He, he steeled himself. He, what is the NIV, he resolutely determined that he had to go to Jerusalem. Even though he knew what was waiting for him in Jerusalem, Jesus knew what Jerusalem meant for him. In fact, he had been telling his disciples for about a year at this point, he had been telling them exactly what was going to happen to him in Jerusalem. The Gospel of Mark records no less than four times up to this point, no less than four times, Jesus has reminded them or told them, this is what's going to happen. I'm going to Jerusalem. I'm going to be handed over to evil men. They will crucify me on the third day I'll rise again. He told them that. They didn't like that message. They didn't like that idea at all. The first time Jesus told them that, Peter pulls Jesus aside and says, don't say that. Don't, t- no, 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 no dying, okay? You're scaring people, right? 
we tested that message on the Galilean market and it doesn't test well, right? People don't want to hear that. No, no one wants a dead Messiah, right? What good is a dead Messiah? <clears throat> so so no, one, no one in Jesus' circle wanted Jesus to go to the cross. Jesus didn't want to go to the cross. But he knew that it had to happen. And so what does he do? It says in the King James Version, I love the King James Version, it says he set his face toward Jerusalem. And once Jesus set his face towards Jerusalem, nothing and no one was going to stop him from getting there and doing what he was called to do, right? I told you, this idea of resolving, it's a biblical thing. It's a deeply spiritual act of obedience. So let me just suggest this morning, I'm just gonna kinda go through four Jesus principles for making your resolutions or maybe keeping your resolutions or maybe remaking at this point in time your resolutions. Let me give you four Jesus principles about resolving to do anything, right? And the first is just this, that each resolution should be born out of prayer. As a Christian, you should, make your, you should not make your resolutions lightly. You, sh- you, should, not, you should not resolve lightly. The, the scriptures record that Jesus rose early every day to pray. It says that he spent extended time in prayer, that he prayed before every major decision. John tells us that Jesus prayed with tears pouring down and sweat pouring off of his face the night before his crucifixion in in Gethsemane. Each gospel writer in his own way uh, tells us that Jesus never did anything without prayer. So my first suggestion is that you set aside a substantial amount of time to think and to reflect and to talk to God about it and to ask God about what what is it that he wants you to accomplish uh, this year. Begin, if you're a Christian, you begin with prayer. The second is that each resolution should actually stretch you. That the resolution should not be something that's that's easy. It should not be a a slam dunk. I like making those slam dunk resolutions because they're easy to check off and I feel good about myself. But actually, resolutions, some of them should actually stretch you. See, Jesus resolved in this moment that we just read in Luke chapter 9, verse 51. Jesus resolved. And what was he resolving himself to do? He was resolving himself to go confront his enemies, the ones who wanted to kill him. I mean, no one wants to do that. I'm an I'm a Enneagram 9. I, I avoid conflict as much as possible, right? I don't really like conflict or confrontation. And Jesus resolves himself that he's going to go and, and confront his enemies uh, to face the cross, as I've already said, it's not something he wanted to do. Do you know why Jesus went to the Mount of Olives the night before his death? You say, well, he went there to pray. Yes, yes, of course he, he, he did. He went there to pray. But, but why there? I mean, he could pray anywhere. Why go to this, this garden? By the way, garden is a bit of a misnomer. It was, it was more of an olive grove. It were, they were trees. I think of garden. I think of flowers. But this was an a, a olive grove, right? There were trees a place where he could hide. So he goes up onto the the crest of this mountain. I've been actually on the Mount of Olives. My wife and I went to Israel in 2019, thank goodness, just in time, right? Um, And and we stood on the Mount of Olives overlooking Jerusalem. If you stand there, how many of you have been to the Mount of Olives? And okay, yeah, awesome. It's interesting because you stand there and and you look down one side of the mountain and you're seeing Jerusalem, uh, the Kidron Valley, the the wall that surrounds the temple and where the temple was right now, it's the Dome of the Rock, right? But but it it was the temple in in Jesus' day. And you can look down, you can see all of Jerusalem. 
But if you look down the other side of that mountain, it's the wilderness of Judah. Jesus goes to the Mount of Olives because it's an escape route. He can still escape. He goes down one side of the mountain, he's going to Jerusalem and crucifixion. But he could just as easily have gone down the other side of the mountain and escaped into the wilderness of Judah and they would never have found him. So when he prays to God that night, Lord God, if there's any other way to do this, right? If there's any other way to save them besides the cross, please, let's do it that way, right? Let's do it that way. Tell me now. And the reason, the urgency was, this is my last chance to escape. I can still escape. The posse is coming. I know they're coming, but I can still escape. Jesus didn't want to go to the cross. Who would want who in their right mind, if Jesus wanted to go to the cross, I would think he's a psychotic. Who in the right mind would want to go to the cross? Not every resolution is going to be something you want to do. <clears throat> Year's resolutions should be what God wants you to do, which, which means a few of them are going to stretch you uh, to the point of great discomfort. They're going to stretch you. And then the third thing is that each resolution you make should ultimately be about helping others. Jesus was always being accused of hanging out with the wrong people. Um, the biggest accusation against Jesus is that he partied too much. I love that about him, right? Is that he partied too much. And he hung around some really seedy kinds of, of people. And when, when Jesus was confronted with this, he, he would say to them things like, he would say, it's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I'm, hang, I'm hanging around sick people because they're the ones who need me. Another time he said in Mark chapter 10 verse 45, he said, I did not come to be served, but to serve and to give my life as a ransom for many. So as you make your resolutions, as you resolve to do the things that God wants you to do, I, I want to encourage you <coughs> to make them about what you want, not, not about what you want, or not even about what people expect you to do. Make sure they're aimed at pleasing God and serving others. Give, giving your life and efforts to helping, for helping others is the only way I know of to make a real difference in this world. I mean, it's literally the only way to make a difference. I pastored for 10 years in South, South, deep South Texas, McAllen, Texas. I mean, like if you go through McAllen, like you're in Mexico, okay, it's right there. Pastored there for 10 years. While I was pastoring there, uh, I was a senior pastor. The executive pastor at the church, great guy named Joe Giroux. Um, Joe had a, 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 was married to Janet, and his mother-in-law uh, was up in somewhere north. I'm not, I don't remember where. Maybe Iowa, someplace like that. I was born and raised in Texas. Texans are obnoxious about this, right? We know there's an Oklahoma, and then after that, it's, it's Canada. I don't know. But anyway, right? We're, we're pretty obnoxious. But she, was, she lived somewhere up north. She had been a school teacher for 40 years or whatever, and so, um, so she, they brought her down to McAllen because she was, her health was starting to fail her. Her name was Mary Jo. And Mary Jo was a firecracker. I mean, she had been a school teacher for 40 years. She, her health was starting to fail her but, her, but her mind was still, I mean, as sharp as a tack. Um, she was in a wheelchair. They'd put her into a nursing home uh, there in uh, McAllen. And so um, I went to visit her one day. And she's in a wheelchair. Her room is too small to, to be in, so we're in the cafeteria. She's sitting in a wheelchair. I'm sitting at a table across from her, and we're talking. As we're talking, I noticed that in her lap, sitting there in the wheelchair, in her lap is this 
gallon size like Ziploc bag, you know, the kind that you freeze things in. She has this, this plastic gallon size bag in her lap and inside the bag are all these kind of like nail paraphernalia, like, you know, nail polish and emery boards and nail clips and things like that. It's just sitting in her lap and I'm, I, I, I'm waiting for a break in the conversation so I can ask her about this and say, Mary Jo, what's, what's that? And she laughed, she said, oh, Pastor Ellis, this is my ministry. I said, really? Tell me about that. She says, oh, well, I go from room to room uh, doing the nails and pedicures and manicures for the, the, late, the little ladies in this, in this you know, nursing home. She said, at first, I don't think they knew what to think about me. I think they were, they were kind of afraid of me. But now, I have so many requests, I have to make appointments. <laughs> like, cool, that's awesome. Uh, and then she gets this kind of wistful look in her face. She, she says, you know, Pastor Ellis, she said, and she points at me with that school teacher finger, right? She, you know, Pastor Ellis, not keeping up your appearances is the first step to depression. <laughs> I said, yes, Mary Jo, that's right. That's right. And then she says, you know, when I first got here, most of the women here at the home stayed in their pajamas and robes all day long. But now, most of them insist on putting on a dress. And I looked around the room and I hadn't noticed, but she was right. Most of the men were in pajamas and robes and most of the women had on bright colored dresses. Wow. I leaned over to kiss her, to hug her goodbye. I said, and she said, oh, thank you, Pastor Ellis, for coming to visit me. You've made my day. And I thought, no, Mary Jo, thank you. You've made my day. Thank you for being Jesus in a wheelchair, right? Wherever you go, she's in a nursing home in a wheelchair. So what's my excuse? Make sure that your resolutions are about helping other people because it's the only way. It's the only way I know of. That kind of love, that kind of care, it's the only way to really change the world. And finally, each resolution should have a measurable outcome that gets you closer to your life goal. Jesus had one mission, really, just one mission, and that was to die for our sins. That's the reason he came. It's, it's the only reason, and it was his one mission. And, 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 but there were, there were other things he had to accomplish in order to fulfill that life goal, but all those things were subordinate, actually, to the One Life mission. Everything that he did, developing disciples and preaching and teaching, and even the signs and the wonders and the miracles, they were not for themselves. They were to point to something else, to point to his one big life mission, which was to die for our sin. So every goal in your life, every resolution should take you closer to that ultimate mission in life. What is the one thing that God has called you to accomplish with the one life you have to live? It's just you have only one this was a soap opera my mom used to watch, One Life to Live, right? Was that a soap opera? <laughs> you have only, I'm showing my age now, right? You have only one life on this earth to live. So what is the meaning of that life? What is the goal? What is the mission, right? Make it count for the honor and glory of God. Resolve yourself that you're going to make it count and that it's never too late to make it 
account for something. I um, told you about my grandfather who came from Mexico, 1920, and built a place for his family. Um, 54 first cousins. So if you fast forward and you look at that family now, uh, you'll find his grandchildren, my generation, um, great-grandchildren, great-great-grandchildren, and now even great, I believe great-great-great-grandchildren, because my dad was one of the youngest in the family. And what you'll find if you survey that brood is young men and women who have gone to places like Texas A&M University, University of Texas, University of Houston, SMU, Princeton, Yale, have become doctors and lawyers and school teachers and principals and firefighters and police officers and mili career military and, um, and one lowly public theologian. to think about it. My grandfather never got to see any of that. I was the first male in my family to actually graduate from college. Um, but my grandfather died when I was 12 years old. So he never got to see any of that. But that's okay because his legacy lives on, doesn't it? His investment, what his investment has produced but what it has, the good that it has done in this world is beyond calculation. That, that's what happens. That's why I'm telling you this ability to resolve to something, to something important, to something giving, to something impactful. It's biblical because it's Jesus. So this morning, I want us to end by resolving. And I know you probably have your own stuff. You're doing your own things. I'm not going to tell you what to accomplish. But I want to go through seven resolutions that are actually just biblical kind of general Christian resolutions that I think every Christian should resolve to do. So if it's okay with you, I want to ask us to stand and just kind of say those out loud together and uh, so we can just uh, be encouraged by that. So these are seven Christian years resolutions. Let's, uh, let's read them together. I resolve to deepen my relationship with God through daily prayer, seeking his guidance and wisdom in all aspects of my life. I commit to studying the Bible regularly, striving to understand and apply its teachings to my actions, thoughts, and decisions. I will actively participate in a Christian community, fostering fellowship and accountability with fellow believers to strengthen my faith journey. I pledge to prioritize acts of kindness and compassion, reflecting the love of Christ in my interactions with others, both within and outside the Christian community. I resolve to be a witness for Christ, sharing his love and the message of salvation with those who may not know him through both my words and deeds. I commit to stewardship, recognizing that all I have belongs to God and I will use my time, talents, and resources to serve others and advance his kingdom. I resolve to trust in God's plan for my life, surrendering my fears and anxieties to him 
and relying on his strength to overcome challenges that may arise in the coming year. Father, we thank you for your goodness and your grace and your love. Thank you for speaking to us from the power of your word. And we pray now that you would bless us. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 You can go sit down.